Welcome to another episode. This episode, there I always say this, this is such a special episode, but like every episode is so fucking special to me and also I think an episode that you all will really enjoy. But today's episode, I'm super excited to bring to you. It is with the founder of Sochi Wines, Brittany Banda. Brittany and I went to school together. We went to high school together um, in our small little town just outside of L.A. We didn't actually really know each other in high school, but you know those friends that like you guys, you follow each other on Instagram for like 10 years and like you've become friends through DMs and you like talk regularly or respond regularly that's pretty much what Brittany and I have been since Instagram came around, I guess. And especially since the pandemic in 2020, Brittany and I were in communication a lot because I saw that she was working in wine and she was sharing a lot of wine content and wine information on her Instagram around the time that I was starting to get really into wines and natural wines. And so I reached out to her as a resource And over that time, she really became a guide for me and an inspiration for me to go on this wine journey and to like find out all that I could. She recommended books to me. She recommended courses. She recommended podcasts. Shout out Natural Disasters. (laughs) Um, That's uh, Marissa Ross and Adam Verbulis's OG podcast from back in the day. Um, but yeah, Brittany is just, she's amazing. She's incredible. She's a mom. She's a Latina. She lives and works out of Paso Robles and creates her wines out of Paso. And she is just a really incredible person. And I'm so excited to bring you this podcast with her and to have this conversation and share it with you all, because I feel like I learned a lot and I was able to really just like open up to her about my thoughts and feelings in wine and I'm, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. There's some interesting stuff in there. There's a lot of like random things that I'm like, I don't know. There's so much wine that I don't have time to drink for. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I don't actually drink as much wine as people think I do. Yeah, same. And I've never finished a bottle by myself. I don't. I okay, can't well, speak that for I've you, but done. <laughs> and I'm I never drink a- my own a bottle myself. But it's very infrequent. It's mm-hmm. not that often that I do. Yeah, I think when you're in this world, people assume that you're just a lush. Mm-hmm. for having me my name is Brittany Brittany Banda bitch Um, (laughs) I am from South Pasadena which is where we know each other from I think this is the first time we've officially like hung out I know I've always known about you (laughs) Um, so I make wines out of Paso Robles and I've been commuting there since 2020 and I fully moved to the area in 2021 Um, but I started my wine label in 2020 um, and I am officially the second Latina winemaker in the whole Paso ABA, which is Congrats. absolutely insane to oh even my gosh, amazing. to even think that that's I just my got reality. <laughs> really? I got chills. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah it, it makes me feel like humbled that I have that like, I guess, title, but also like sad that there have not been many before us. Mm-hmm. And the first one is actually my friend who um, really inspired me 
to be a winemaker. Like I didn't know, like I thought you just got a job as a winemaker and like you worked for a big like mass produced mm-hmm. company. I didn't know that you could just like grassroots start your own wine brand. So she really inspired me. Um, she has her own wine label. Her name is Nancy. But I was living in Oxnard at the time, which is how I got started um, actually making the wine. So I was living in Oxnard and I went to go visit my friend Nancy in Paso mm-hmm. and I helped her like pick fruit one night. And the next day, like she was like, hey, like we're going to be um, in the cellar if you want to like stop by. And I was like, oh, yeah, like because mm-hmm. at the time I had never really been in a barrel room. Before. Were you working in wine? Yeah, I was working in wine. I was working at a big kosher winery where okay. you have to be a kosher observant male to touch the wine, like be involved in the cellar room. And obviously I am not those things. I'm yeah. not a kosher male, observing male. So I, I was like, oh, go to a barrel room? Hell yeah. So I remember like looking up and being like, whoa, there's so many barrels and like I can touch them and it won't be like trafed. Oh my um, gosh. So I met like her mentor and just like all these great people that were just so like into wine and they like asked me to come back. They're like, oh, you know, you're really great. Like you can tell you really want to make wine. So if you want to, you know, spend your days off here. So I was like, okay, sure. So every Tuesday I would drive from Oxnard to Paso, which is about like a two and a half hour drive. So I would go there on my one day off because I'm a full-time mom. I was like, had a full-time job. So I would go and I was working harvest, like getting my hands dirty. I fucking loved it. And I had the opportunity one day, like, the winemaker was like, hey, like a, f- a ton of fruit is coming in that we don't need and they have extra. Like, do you want to buy it? And I was like, what? Like, I'm, I just got it, got started. Like, I'm so mm-hmm. green. I want to like earn my stripes. And he's basically like, well, it's really good fruit. It's farmed really well. You say you want to be a winemaker. So like, we'll give you guidance. Like you can make it here. Oh, my gosh. Um, so that was kind of the journey of like being like, OK. Wow. Like, so your first harvest was kind of like my first vintage. Like, yeah, your yeah. first vintage, but also kind of like not an accident, but like oh yeah, serendipitous. Totally yeah. just like invited you for, you know, the yeah. day and then everything just came from there. Definitely. And I think you can tell when people are very like ambitious and serious and just like a diehard like wine person. Like mm-hmm. I can see that in you and I'm like so proud of like how you are and thank just you. your passion for it. It's thank pretty you. evident. You planted a lot of those seeds. That's so. crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. We'll get into that. I'm in getting a the chills now. <laughs> We'll get into that, but keep going. Tell, keep telling me about um, your. So I was pretty much making wine remotely, and you know, I think going into it, the the hardest part for me, being like, do I want to do this, was like the financial investment, like just being a, a single mom and being like, this is all the money that I have going towards grapes, but this is my dream, and I know mm-hmm. I'm probably never going to get an opportunity just like this one like I'll probably Mm -hmm. have to go like the traditional route go to school for winemaking get a job right and make wine for other people so I'm like this is kind of like a crazy scenario take up the opportunity it was 2020 so just a crazy year in itself um so what I was drinking at the time and that's kind of what I brought here the Cunois um I was drinking a lot of like high acid lower bodied red wines um Syrah is not those things. I mean, it does have mm-hmm. really good acid, but it's more dense and like known for being bold and straw is my love. So mm-hmm. that's what I made. I bought fruit 2020. I bought straw. Um, and straw was kind of the first wine that I got into drinking. So I feel like I'm going on a tangent. Um, no, I, I love straw. <laughs> like straw is one of my favorite yeah. grapes that I, 
and I, I've said this before in a different podcast, but I feel like I got introduced, I, I learned to love Syrah recently mm-hmm. where like I've always like enjoyed it, but it wasn't the grape that I was reaching for yeah. that often. Um, I'm like excited about. Yeah, yeah. But then I had a Syrah that just like totally changed my outlook oh, on nice. it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was hundred percent Syrah from um, Tessier Wine. Um, she's from like Northern California area. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was like really impressed and inspired by her Syrah. And so then it took me like on a journey of like trying a bunch of That's other Syrahs. So and cool. yeah. yeah, I found some that I, and I know people who hate Syrah. Yeah. Which oh, is, like, me too. Wild. Yeah. I'm, they're like, like, no, like I'm not drinking it. Which is like crazy because I feel like I never discriminate <laughs> on a grape. Yeah. Like I really will find something to love in like most or all wines. And yeah. Usually the thing that will deter me from a wine is like, the style in which it's made. Mm-hmm. So obviously like something that's like super, super, super oaky yeah. or sometimes like a pet nat. I'm like, I don't really like, like this yeah. grape as a pet nat or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I'll try any grape all the time. You're an equal opportunist. Yes, yeah, I agree. Me. Yeah. There's no, I, I was at a job interview once and they're like, what grape don't you like? And I had just such a hard time. I just like, it's funny because I just kind of threw it out there. I was like, Chenin Blanc, but I fucking love Chenin Blanc. Like, I almost <laughs> want to plant it and make yeah. it now. So it's just yeah. like, maybe that's why I didn't get that job. But Chenin's <laughs> are great. Yeah. Yeah. It also depends on like the moment though. Yeah. Right. Like sometimes a Chenin is just like too much. It's not mm-hmm. the right vibe. But other times I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> I think at the time too, I was working at a winery and they only did sweet Chenin Blanc. So that was my only like interpretation yeah. of the grape. Right. And right. I was like, I don't like sweet wines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now I can like fuck with a little bit of sweet wine here and there, but can, yeah. we, can we say fuck? Yeah, you can okay. say whatever you want. <laughs> this is yeah. a self-produced podcast. Nice. Um, yeah. So back in 2020, I was drinking more like lighter style red wines, very fruitful. So this is sounds crazy when I tell people this, but when I was thinking about how I wanted to make the wine I could literally see it like a premonition I I can like see what it looked like in the glass it kind of had um a lightness like a red color um, but it was not opaque so I knew I wanted to do like more minimal extraction Mm -hmm. so I that's what I implemented like minimal punch downs uh, minimal pump overs just to get that like lighter less dense body Mm -hmm. which is what I was drinking then now I like a little bit bigger of a wine and that's like representative in the next vintage in Mm -hmm. 2021 um so it's kind of cool to have this time capsule of what I was drinking what I was into but I think this is a really good expression of me like the label as a Mm -hmm. whole and also an expression of Paso like I love Paso so much I'm just so like I feel so grateful that I found a industry that I love and a community that I love and a terroir that I love it's I can't like talk about Paso enough yeah um but the fruit is from a really cool vineyard in the Templeton Gap District that really gets that maritime influence that wants to like head toward the warmer valley. So mm-hmm. really, really good acidity um, in the wine, but very fruitful because it does get a lot of sunshine. So mm-hmm. Paso has this huge diurnal shift of like very hot, warm days and then cool, cool nights. Like on any given day, it's about 30 to 40, sometimes 50 degree like differences, oh, wow. which is insane because is Paso, is it? I don't know like much about like the terroir in the region, yeah. but like in a valley or is it on like a slope? It's pretty hilly. I would say at some 
like highest points, it's probably like 1,600, 1,700 um, feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. But you do have like the lower lands that are more in the sun, kind of known as like the east side of Paso. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the west side, it's the closest to the ocean. So it really gets that like nice fog and it has the bigger diurnal shift. Um, But this is a really nice varietal expression i think i get like some we're not even drinking it i know we're not drinking yeah let's let's do it let's do it i'm excited (laughs) okay we're drinking sochi wines britney's first vintage 2020 100 syrah from paso robles i'm so excited i cannot wait 100 syrah and then i co-fermented it with viognier skins just to give it like an ode to the northern rhone where Mm -hmm. they like typically add they can add about 20 percent viognier to really intensify the color lift the aromatics um kind of a modern oh take gosh. on it okay i've never had a syrah like this it's so um this is like oh. actually so amazing oh thank you like really truly so dynamic in flavor and like aromas and yeah. note like i'm getting like everything is just like hitting. yeah like i'm getting leather Ooh, yes definitely a leather. little bit of like smoky like Smoke is a trigger word for 2020. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But not smoky yeah. like smoke taint. It's but not like, smoke taint, but it definitely has Like kind that. of like the way like maybe like a whiskey barrel kind yeah. of like has that like. Yeah, I love the aromatics. also that, black licorice. Sorry, I keep yeah. like oh, no, no, <laughs> cutting go, you go, off. But I'm just like, oh my yeah, God, I what hear am I? everything. <laughs> we are still very much in the pandemic. So I haven't like live action been with people trying it for the first time. So it's exciting for me to hear oh your gosh. notes. No, this is so amazing. I'm like. I feel like I'm I'm gonna say it, but whatever. Fresh tennis balls. Oh my god! Like, in the, like that's what that's actually what I like. I feel I feel like that in Psalm in the the documentary yeah. Psalm. I was always like LOLing at, but I'm like that's crazy that they can smell oh, that because that means that like their scope of smell is so yeah like intense. But like I actually get that. Oh, I kind of get here. that. Yeah, that's. Interesting. I always get it's. I love that the smell reminds me of like the fermentation bin during this harvest. Mm-hmm. It just you would walk by the bin, and it just smelled like cherries and like just so aromatic. And that's exactly what this tastes like and smells like. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, like, was it just that vintage? Like, is that going to be a thing now that I'm yeah. a winemaker? Like, does the fruit does it give me that like flashback mm-hmm. towards harvest? I'm also getting like pomegranate. Yeah, like tart pomegranate. Yeah, it's very approachable. Oh my gosh. For Syrah. I love this. This is like a very, like, it's, it's great. There's, oh my gosh. Yeah, I yeah, feel like it's it, nuanced, but the tannins are like moderate. It's, mm-hmm. it's just approachable. People that don't even drink a lot of red wines right. I find that they really like it. That's what I was going to say. Also, like you said, it's definitely like a wine you can have on its own. Mm-hmm. You don't need a meal. It doesn't need to be paired with it. Yeah. It would be beautiful. Yeah with something but also like it's beautiful on its own thank you oh my gosh congratulations <laughs> you. you're so good i'm proud of it i was I in good it. hands but it's it's it exceeded like my expectations of my first vintage yeah. and i think it still has that varietal varietal typical quality of like a little bit of olive tampanade like mm-hmm. it's still yeah. a yeah. bold mm-hmm. wine and like a syrah but it's i know it's different do you yeah. know what i mean yeah definitely that's also like one of the notes like for me, one of the things that I was able to first identify with Syrahs when I started like drinking more Syrah and paying mm-hmm. attention 
was that sort of savory olivey note, mm-hmm. which I think is really unique to Syrah and like varietal similar. Um, that I think maybe because I was drinking so much chilled, light body, like, like glue, bowl, glue, yeah. mm-hmm. like style wines that like when I got something savory, I was like, whoa, yeah, this is a whole other side of red wine that like people who are like, oh, I only like light reds or mm-hmm. I only like want to drink chilled reds, fruit forward reds. Like they totally miss out on this like umami like yeah. quality. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty crazy. And this has a lot of that. Like you get the fruit, but you also get all these other flavors that are like not not basic. <laughs> like really, like wow. this is not a basic wine. Like Ooh, this is really, okay. yes. Oh that's, my gosh. That's kind of like me. Yes, yes. Perfect expression of the yeah. winemaker. Because it has that kind of olive kind of brininess almost, it goes so well with Mediterranean food. Mm-hmm. And I, when I f- first started like diving into the world of wine, one of the things, and it's more talked about now, one of the things I like was realizing was like none of these food pairings are of foods traditionally like of people of color. Yes. And so I've kind of tried to been find. I've tried to find with any wine like what what does this go well with with my heritage cuisine of like Mexican food which mm-hmm. normally it's like high acid white wines that can hold up to those like spicy flavors right um, but I'd want so bad to like find a Mexican pairing with my wine so yes if anyone listening out there finds a good one please DM oh gosh, me totally I can see this with like um maybe some kind of like m- like mole oh, but yeah. maybe maybe not chicken maybe like yeah I don't know. Maybe like lamb? Or no, like wait, the is lamb. that even a thing? Or I don't like know. duck mole? Ooh, a duck mole. I I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. don't have too much knowledge of like mole yeah. dishes except chicken mole, but I feel like I could see this with like a mole and then yeah. maybe like pork. Can you put oh, okay. mole on pork? I don't yeah. know. Or I was thinking like maybe bedia mm-hmm. could be really cool. Oh, that would be really good. Yeah. I need to make bedia. I've never done it before. I know. It's kind of intimidating. Yeah. I've seen TikToks of it. I'm like, that looks like a lot. I don't think I could do it. (laughs) Well, okay, wait. So tell me about the inspiration for the wine. Sochi wines. What does Sochi mean as a a word? I know it's an Aztec word, but also to you. Like, what is that? How's the connection to you? Yeah. So I had a really hard time in 2020 figuring out what I wanted to name my label and I my daughter's name is Maya and I'm like well there's a really famous producer of Maya wines in Napa already um so I was just kind of sat on it and while I was making the wines I kept tripping out like I would just be doing punch downs and being like I can't believe that I get to do this because my grandfather like came to the United States like I'm sure he would be so proud that I like I'm doing this Mm -hmm. and like the fruits of his labor. And I just thought about him constantly during that process. And then just one day it just like popped into my head, like Sochi. So it means flower in Nahuatl. So that's like my heritage, Mm -hmm. um, indigenous Mexico. So it's, it means flower. And he was actually an LA city gardener. So he worked for a company that would contract out to, garden for LA City Park. So he was all over LA making the world more beautiful with his roses and like his flower cultivation. And I'm from South Pasadena, but more widely known like Pasadena, like the city of roses. So it's an ode to my heritage, my grandfather, and where we come from, which is a really incredible place. Like I think you have to move away to really appreciate where you came from. Um, And I do. so yeah, that's the story that's of why I named it Sochi Wines. 
Uh, but it means a lot to me, like, to be able to make wine. And I think, like, I was a kid that just didn't have any goals. was like, I'm just pretty and, like, I don't really care about school mm-hmm. and I don't have any ambition. Um, so I just was like, okay, I followed a career in teaching and I just felt so... I just felt like it wasn't for me. I felt like there was something bigger. I felt like I wanted to be a business owner, but I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know like what mm-hmm. I would sell or anything. So it kind of all came down to after I had a baby in 2017 and I was really questioning like what I wanted to do with my life. And like, did I want to take the safe route of being a teacher, even though that's a noble, noble profession? Um, or did I want to just like think outside the box, I guess? Mm-hmm. And I think she gave me the courage, like, well, what would I give my, like, what advice would I give my daughter? Like, go the straight and narrow path. You might not like it or just kind of go off the beaten path. So I was like, well, what do I really want to do in life? And I just had a voice in my head that said, go towards wine. Like, just follow your, your intuition that said, learn more about wine. So the more that I read and learned about wine, the more that I found that it, it involved geology and arts and philosophy and STEM. Like, I never thought I would be doing something that involves science yeah you know yeah like, it's a very scientific process yeah. but also very intuitive intuitive yeah, for which sure is crazy and I think that that's my philosophy like in winemaking going with what I feel is right mm-hmm. or like what I sense for the wine but also being respectful of where the fruit comes from and wanting right. to like honor the grower so I'm excited. I just want to keep getting better and like get better every year. And I yeah. think this is a pretty kick-ass like inaugural vintage. Um, so I'm excited. I feel so lucky that this like that I'm sitting here like that this is my life that I get yeah. to talk about wine every single day that I get to touch wine and taste wine as research and development, which is like really yeah a lucky thing. I'm to so do. proud of you. Thank you. Like truly, that's <laughs> just you're living the dream. Yeah, like that really is. You're doing something that you really love that you're passionate about Mm. and you're giving something to your family to your daughter to take on like just to for her to watch you do that I think is an amazing gift for her and like how many people get to be like my mom is a badass winemaker yeah it's pretty not many it's so normal to her um, and growing up in like the cellars, that's gonna be yeah. so freaking cool for her. It's just so normal to like, let's go to the winery, like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go check vineyards. Um, and I grew up around wine, like, growing up in Southern California, my parents took me wine tasting all across mm-hmm. like different AVAs, and I hated it. I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> but it was around me, and, and my like mom is a huge Francophile, Francophile. Mm-hmm. Like, I was named after Brittany France, like, everyone thinks like, Britney Spears or something like that but she kind of gave me like that adventurous spirit and I think I like looking towards my daughter I'm like that is really cool that she gets to say like my mom owns a business and Mm -hmm. it's so normal to her I was listening to a podcast and my friend Nancy was on it and she was telling the the host that she was telling the host that she's the first Latina winemaker and that her friend like also got inspired by like her journey and moved to Paso and now is the second winemaker and I like was running to the kitchen and I was like oh my god like that's me mom I'm the second Latina winemaker in Paso (laughs) and my daughter and my mom like look at me my mom's like no way and my daughter's like can you get out now we're 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 playing like she doesn't care it's gonna be so normal to her yeah but yeah She'll see it in the future. Obviously, when she's older, she's yeah. still very young right now. But when she's older, she's going to be like, damn, my mom was a fucking pioneer. Yeah. Like, that's really awesome. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm proud. And she's she's so fiery. I'm like, can you, can you like, 
take Wait, on the business. Her birthday? She's a Libra, so her birthday is mm. nine twenty nine. She was born oh, at eight twenty eight. Birthday is coming up soon. Yeah. Oh my gosh, gosh. she's gonna be five. It's it's crazy. When I started uh, the brand, she was two. So she has really seen oh my the wine evolve, yeah, like me evolve. That's her life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she has no memory of pre-wine industry, which yeah. is pretty cool. Which is amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, and where we live, it's totally common. Like, winery kids, it's right. normal. Right. Yeah. So how did you get – okay, so how did you go, go from teaching to wine? Because I know you said you – before – moving to Paso, you were in Oxnard Mm -hmm. working for another wine company. Yes. How did you make that jump when you were like, I just don't want to be in, you know, the typical, we'll call it the typical Pasadena path. (laughs) (laughs) And then moved. I'm like, go to school, go to, go get a job at what you're. Right. Exactly. So how did you, how did you jump from that to, to wine? So I had to make sacrifices because I was, you know, my path was go towards teaching and then I had a baby and, you know, I had taken all like the CBEST tests. Like I was like rocking and rolling, like mm-hmm. ready to go and just did a career shift like a lot of people in our generation do yeah. because they want to find like purpose and happiness. So I, when I re-entered the workforce after my daughter was like 13 months, I was like, well, I want to get a job in the wine industry. Mm-hmm. So at the time I got a job at the biggest winery in my area um, Which was, I, was that here in LA? In Oxnard. Or, in Oxnard. Yeah, so I was okay. living in Oxnard because I went to college out there. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there. We were living at the beach. So it was like a nice like area to live in. So I got a job at the closest winery, the biggest winery in the area. So I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go big and just, right. you know, learn. Yeah. So I remember I was going to go, like, turn in my resume. And I had such debilitating anxiety that I was like, I have to go home. Like, I need to go home. I can't do this. So I got back in the car and I felt so defeated, like, man, I'm letting my anxiety, like, get the best of me. Yeah. But then the next day I tried again and I went I went basically to the winery and I was like, you need to hire me, like, demanded a job. And so they're like, okay. And I remember them asking, like, well, what's your favorite varietal? I was like, Gamay. <laughs> and I think they didn't really have a lot of, what's the word? A lot of wineries don't require that you have mm-hmm. experience. They just, you know, if you work hard and like you yeah. can, you can mold anyone. And I think when I said that, they're like, "Oh shit, I'm she like, knows." Yeah, she knows stuff a about bit. wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think I had only been studying wine like six months, but I knew that. Like I tried mm-hmm. Gamay, and I loved it. I still really love Gamay. <laughs> a um, classic Gamay is pretty excellent yeah. for sure. Um, so I got a job at that winery, and then I worked there for two years, and I was in the front front of the house tasting room and you know I was like well I want to I don't want to just hold the wine I don't want to be around the wine I want to make the wine and obviously being at that winery I couldn't go anywhere near the barrel room so when I had the opportunity to like work harvest in Paso that's when I really knew like I wanted to do this how did you meet your friend who invited you to Paso? Oh my gosh, also so serendipitous. So in in back in 2019, like Instagram giveaway posts were so prevalent. Mm-hmm. And in that year, I won four Instagram giveaways, which is like okay, the luckiest of. person yeah, like ever. Insane. <laughs> and that was the last thing that I had won because I was like, oh, like let me do this, let me enter it. So I won an Instagram giveaway to where my friend Nancy was working. It was a wine club pickup party. And she is like the wine, the winery she works at is called Seven Oxen. She's their only employee. Um, and I just heard her story. Like she told us her story and it was so inspiring. Like that she also just moved to a new mm-hmm. area, started mm-hmm. a brand, like was so determined to do this. Um, so that's how I met her. And I just 
Oh was my gosh, so everything just fell into place as it was supposed to, like yeah. when it was supposed to. Yeah, it's I feel like it's like a karmic situation. Totally. Like someone someone's looking after me. Yeah. And yeah, I'm being rewarded. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. So what is it like working in I guess going back to your original your first your intro to wine yeah in a a kosher wine facility and wine it's it was it a cellar it was also like it was the whole thing the yeah. whole oh yeah it, it's a huge company like I think they are the biggest kosher winery in oh the interesting world. like it's a huge they have a distribution the cellar room tasting room restaurant bottling line storage like everything encompassed wow. like this place. So it was really cool in that I wore a lot of hats, like packed thousands of wine clubs, interacted with guests. Mm-hmm. Um, do they do their own, like it's their own brand or they produce for other folks with the kosher Yeah, yeah, they do both. Like they have their own, like the portfolio was 60 wines of oh, like wow. huge. So uh, like I, I knew about this expansive like list of wines. Yeah. And then they also you know, do consulting and like say a celebrity wants this mm-hmm, one and mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll, we'll do it for you or they'll bottle. Right. Um, yeah. For, wow. That's also, yeah, that's also just really interesting. Cause I feel yeah. like that's a whole other side, like mega production like that. Yeah. I would consider that like mega production oh, yeah. cause it's yeah. like pretty big is a whole other beast because it's like so many, I'm sure so many people on the floor, mm-hmm. so many like steps the wine has to go through and then to like pull yourself out of that and then become an independent winemaker is yeah. like a whole other it's crazy but I will say like about kosher wines every step is like overseen by mm-hmm. like a I forget what they call them now I was so immersed in I, I forget but it is pr- like for a big winery it's how do I want to say this it's pretty pure like they're mm-hmm. not it's kosher things like even kosher meat like you can count on that it's not gonna have added like a lot of additives right and, right you know, it's gonna be pretty pure like that's kind of their whole idea of having kosher right uh things so it's it was an interesting dynamic of like this is really mass produced but it's also like sacred and like mm-hmm. really um so thinking okay so, thinking. so this is the part of the podcast where you might hear a commercial or an advertisement and if you are a brand and you would like to promote your product or your service or yourself send me an email let's connect let's collaborate as you know this is a self-produced podcast and i am happy to provide space for your advertisements now back to our show is your partner in wine also? He is, yes. So he is also a winemaker. Oh, yeah. So exciting. I think everyone in my life now is somehow involved in yeah. wine. And I remember before I started dating him, I was dating someone else who also liked wine. And I was thinking, am I ever going to find a partner that like loves wine as much as I do? And then serendipitously found a partner that also makes wine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of nice that we can like share that bond. Yeah, that's yeah. an amazing like – are you guys – do you think you would collaborate on a wine together? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see that in the cards. I think we talk more of like one day owning a property together mm-hmm. and like planting and mm-hmm. like I want that to be a part of my legacy personally. Like I yeah. want to make wines and grow. Yeah, and grow. I want to mm-hmm. be a grower and I want to give back to the earth. I see yeah. like myself farming biodynamically mm-hmm. and just treating the earth with respect because it has not been yeah. respected yeah definitely yeah 
How do you feel about, like, I guess, for me, seeing, like, Latinos in wine is rare, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure you see, you have, like, a better scope on the industry because you're, like, really, like, in it on the boots on the ground kind of vibe, but, Mm -hmm. like, do you feel that um, there, I mean... I don't. I don't think that there are enough probably Latino winemakers. But do you see like a movement of um, up and coming winemakers? I mean, definitely in my cohort, I feel like there's less than like a handful mm-hmm. in my generation. Like the previous generation of pasto winemakers, there are a little bit more like male, like male Latino winemakers. And I think in my like direct cohort. As far as I know, like there's three of us, so seven in Paso total. Mm-hmm. So there's not enough. I, yeah. I think that I think bigger companies and just wineries as a whole, I think, are trying to be a little bit more inclusive. Yeah. You know, whether it's like bigger companies marketing towards Latino Latino people, and like maybe that's money mm-hmm. behind that. But I think with 2020 and like the murder of George Floyd, like it's shifted a lot of conversation in yeah. the wine industry. It's nowhere like what I think it should be. Yeah. It's still very white dominated, both Mm -hmm. in the tasters and in the field of the wine industry. So it's, you know, although people are very nice, like it can still feel like you're ostracized or you don't feel like you're you're a whole self because you're adhering to like the dominant culture. Right. Um, So I think that's probably a struggle, like for me personally. Would I like to see more people of color in the industry? Hell yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that's how, like, the industry gets better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, like, I know that there's been a lot of conversation, like you said, about, like, making more inclusive spaces in wine, whether that's, like, as a consumer mm-hmm. um, or as producers or as winemakers, growers, etc. Um, but... I personally don't think that there is a lot of real change Mm -hmm. and not in a negative or malicious way. I just think that it's happening way too slow. Yeah. If it's happening at all. And like, you know, being in LA, you go to a lot of wine events and like, you're not, I'm not seeing myself. Oh no. You know, I'm not seeing producers who our BIPOC at all, really, mm-hmm. honestly. L.A. wine in particular. Like, I feel like maybe in other parts of California, it's it's a little bit different, but or maybe not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the L.A. wine scene is very white, mm-hmm. even though there is a lot of... Um, there are a lot of initiatives to diversifying wine and to making you know, change in the industry or making it more inclusive or making it, you know, more approachable for folks who don't have a background in wine, which, you know, up until recently, I feel like we're predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Even though there are things happening, there's like parties or events or whatever that seem like they are super diverse. They're not because mm-hmm. I'm there mm-hmm. and I see it and I'm like, well, most of these people are not gonna lie transplants not even from LA or maybe even California yeah um and most of them are like not there's not a lot of like BIPOC folks in 
that scene. And then there's definitely less in the winemaking process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just as a consumer, like I see this and I feel like there are, there's like a growing number of female winemakers. I know there's still like a big disparity disparity between male and female Mm -hmm. winemaking, like people in wine, but I, I definitely see like more women than maybe I saw a couple years ago. But yeah, just going back to the original is just like I feel like it's very white dominated. Super. Yeah. Like extremely. Like, with like really old school views on either old school views or this mindset of like we want to make a brand, mm-hmm. which is fine. Like I feel like making a brand is, you know, everyone wants to create a brand or a legacy that like outlives them. But I think that a lot of these newer winemakers are not winemakers, number one. They're like private labeling a lot of wines or they are mostly men, mostly white men with a lot of money Mm. who are like, oh, this is a great investment because it's something that's trendy. It's Mm -hmm. something that like, it's the new, I don't know, kombucha. It's the new (laughs) whatever, whatever the fuck came before this. In the beverage industry, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. coffee or whatever, whatever it is, right? And they're marketing it really well and they're selling it to consumers who like maybe don't really like know any different Mm -hmm. and so it's hard for them to like spot it but I just feel like I don't know sometimes I get I'm going on my own tangent right now (laughs) I'm going on my own tangent but sometimes it's like because I'm so immersed in it and like I see it from such a consumer level and such a like I'm a outsider on the inside kind Mm -hmm. of sometimes that I'm like I'm like dude like a lot of you guys like aren't even really making number one making the wine number two making wine that tastes good number three you're selling it (laughs) yeah like at really crazy volumes people are down for it but I don't know if I don't know I feel like that takes away from the integrity and like the actual like wine making as an art like that and anytime you commodify something or like just market something so big with the goal of making it really big then you're taking away like the true art and craft of it which Mm -hmm. then hurts producers or farmers or people who are really like boots on the ground in the winemaking process like that's that hurts like the more independent the independent producer more than the guy who just wants to invest right. whatever money they got trendy. from yeah. yeah from whatever company they just left mm-hmm. you know so I don't know I'm going on my no it makes my sense. rants but <laughs> it makes sense and I think a lot of people are allured by different marketing tactics and I feel like they try the wine and they're like kind of like want want you know like I don't know if right right I can't speak for those producers but like are, are people coming back are they buying are they like second purchasing their wines you I, know yeah I mean yeah I, I guess it depends it would it depends on the wines mm-hmm. but I also feel like that kind of speaks to the consumption of wine and while I want everyone to like learn and enjoy and drink and buy and support wines mm-hmm. I still feel like it should be done consciously not because it's a trend, mm-hmm. right? Which I think there, and maybe this is specific to LA because this is just how the climate and culture of consumption in LA usually is. But like, I feel like people, there are people who want to learn about it and make informed decisions about 
their wine or any product that they buy. But there are also still people who are like, this is hot and trendy and cool. And so I'm just going to drink it and immerse myself in it because mm. everyone else is. And that's mm-hmm. what all the cool influencer yeah. <laughs> girlies are doing. <laughs> right. So you think maybe they don't like it? They just I, uh, I think they just like aren't educated. Yeah. Not, not I'm, saying, I'm not saying that they're not educated. I just mean like they're not informed or educated properly about wines. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone can be educated about wine and anyone can learn about wine at any level, any amount that they want in any way. Like mm-hmm. if you teach yourself or you take a class or whatever, right? But I just think that like what they're being shown is they're entry point into wine is maybe not like the highest quality and then they learn that that is what wine should be Mm -hmm. and then it totally like shuts out really because the bigger like a wine company gets or more hyped or whatever any product gets it shuts out like producers that are smaller that don't Mm -hmm. have the ability to put their marketing out there as loud as maybe someone else yeah and so I feel like that like that sort of just like space between like actually really knowing about a product and then just consuming for the sake of consumption without it being intentional is what creates that gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. I also think there's a lot of bad wine out there and then people are just like, Oh, maybe I just don't like wine or I'm not educated enough. And it's like, no, just keep trying wine. And like, you'll find something that you like. Mm -hmm. And I, I've noticed this, like, I work in a tasting room and people feel like they have people feel like they have to disclose like you know I'm not a wine aficionado like I'm not really well versed and they have to like put that out there but it's like wine is for everyone yes like, exactly if you like like the wine enough to take a second sip like you're good you know exactly like Kate in my conversation with her she was saying that somebody came into the shop and, and people are always really apologetic like yeah. oh my god I don't know anything about wine yeah. and she was like I don't know anything about (laughs) being a doctor and you're a doctor or a software engineer. I don't know anything about that. And everyone has their own like lane and Mm -hmm. their own like thing that they're really good at. But anyone can learn about anything, Mm -hmm. but especially wine. You don't have to like have all this prior knowledge. You don't have to like me. I still have so much to learn. The only official training I've ever had is the course that you recommended to me, which was the Christy Norman, which was like in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, Which was an amazing course, by the way, if anyone wants to take an online course, I don't know if it's still, yeah, it's, she still runs the company. It's online wine course. It's her company. And she offered it to hospitality workers. Yeah. During the the pandemic. Like stage one of pandemic. And she is a sommelier and she's an incredible teacher and like made these, this like amazing online course that like I feel like that's probably what a W set one is at least in a (laughs) way I don't know I don't have any W set okay see thank you yeah awesome okay see that's exact this is what the podcast is here for for people to know that you don't need all of this crazy I mean if you have it it's great but if you don't have any certification like you can still make badass wine and you can still be a badass and you can still Drink badass wines. Drink wines, (laughs) talk about wines, make wines, do everything with wine. Um, I love that. That's amazing to know. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I took one community college course about winemaking just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah, but like you said, it's really intuitive, right? Like it's it's learning, learning the processes and making anything with your hands. You learn by 
making things with your hands. Yeah. You know, like you could read all the textbooks and take all the classes on winemaking, but without actually applying it, it kind of doesn't really mean anything unless you're actually doing it, which is what you're doing. And I feel like, yeah, like you can teach yourself anything. And then like, once you understand the terroir, you understand the way the grapes are, you understand the different processes. That's your intuition kicking in being like, it's more than just a recipe. It's more than just like Mm -hmm. formulas, which are like useful, of course, yeah. and you know you need them. But also, like, just understanding, like, this tastes good. Yeah, this tastes bad. I'm gonna go with the good one <laughs> and keep doing whatever I'm doing to make the good one. You know? Yeah, it's a day to day process of like obviously, like during fermentation, checking metrics, checking sugar levels. But mm-hmm. at least for me, and the way that I was taught was maintaining like stability. Yeah, you, you want to just have a healthy fermentation and just keep an eye on it. Right. And that's something that I get scared about mm-hmm. with other people being like, oh, we just kind of let it ride. And it kind of scares me. Like, oh, my God. Well, you got to do something to keep Interven- it. Yeah, yeah, there has to be some kind of intervention yeah. in it, for and sure. And, like, I totally believe in minimal intervention. And, mm-hmm. like, you don't want to add a bunch of, shit, like, shit to your wine. Yeah. Um, but but you need, it needs, time, like, a it little, needs like, to- guidance yeah. and, like, nudging along the way, for sure. It's yeah. not, it's not, like just doesn't make itself it's not gonna make itself yeah for sure um but that being said like it's unfiltered it's unfined and i want to like pay respect to the fruit Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna put in mega purple and like i'm gonna put in all this crazy shit right and i try to take out all the there are a lot of earwigs during harvest so those will get in the fruit at some time (laughs) and so you'll be in harvest and you'll like just have earwigs coming out of your hair like spiders in your clothes and at any other point in my life I'm like disgusted but if it's harvest it's just like you're throwing it out of your hair your bangs and it's just fine it's totally like a process it's not a big deal yeah um but yeah with those bigger wineries you do get more bugs more rats more of those things that they're like mechanically harvesting the grapes and not yeah Mm-hmm. that's in your wine so boutique wineries in my opinion are um a good way to go yeah <laughs> that was one of the things so okay well just to preface this is like I peak my interest about natural wine or just wine in general peaked in during the pandemic it happened to be natural because it was the wines that my wine shop oh, carried yeah. mm-hmm. But you, Brittany, were, like, such a guiding light for me, like, during the pandemic where we were, like, messaging each other about wines because I saw that you were working in wine. And, like, you offered so much just guidance for me to, like, start exploring and learning and just go on my own journey. So thank you for that because that was really, like, no one else – I didn't know anyone else who was, like, in wine and -hmm. and nobody that I could reach out to. And you offered – the course, the Christy Norman course, which I like ended up taking and the book, <laughs> um, wine all the time. Oh yes. You recommended to me by Marissa Ross, which also really changed the game for me because like mm. that was like a full, to me, that was like a textbook that I could read and really learn about all these different things. Definitely. Wine. Yeah. And one of the things that she talks about is all the little friends and critters that <laughs> mechanical machines in conventional wine get into your wine so like you said boutique wine is absolutely yeah (laughs) if you care about not having that in your wine then you should go more hand-picked yes yeah
podcast. (laughs) We were talking about this off the microphone about how even in food, like ideally you would want to buy everything organic and you want to, you know, avoid the dirty dozen. But at the end of the day, like you need to nourish your body and you need to just have something that is giving you nutrients and not created in in a laboratory. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if a wine doesn't fit the what's the term the zero 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's trying or the producer is making strides towards that direction yeah no I think that's noble to where I live there's kind of a battle of natural natural versus just like this is how we're making it and a lot of producers especially the ones that I drink in the area like they don't want to market themselves as natural winemakers because they're afraid of like the backlash but they are yeah but they are have been for probably years yeah and they i think they're worried that they'll be like put in this box and like they just want to be taken seriously as a producer Mm -hmm. well what i've kind of learned is that like a lot of these like older producers or producers that have been making wine for like 30 20 years whatever have been practicing natural quote unquote mm-hmm. natural wine practices or minimal intervention winemaking practices their entire time. It's just mm-hmm. that they're not marketing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like especially in Europe. Like a lot of wines in oh, Europe yeah. are just that's just how they make them. Right. They don't add anything to it. It just is what it is. And they let the grape ferment and speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And of course we go be Americans and like <laughs> make it an industry and like put a label on it and put it in a box and be like this is a natural wine. And I think that's part of the reason why there is no like legal or like definition to natural wine. I feel like that's like the first thing I learned is like it's a gray area because because prior to five or seven or eight years ago, like natural wine wasn't an industry within an industry. It just was how you made wine mm-hmm. in most regions of the world. And so it didn't need to be identified as like natural, conventional, whatever. Obviously there are some conventional wines that are like really extra mega industrialized and conventional and like they know who they are. Yellowtail <laughs> and whoever else. But but like yeah. but like generally speaking, like smaller producers like in the region that you live in are like they they've just been making their wine like this forever. Mm-hmm. But now that it's like a uh, like vibey aesthetic-y thing or like fits in a trend then it's like you don't want to you just want to be a wine producer a wine producer yeah and i i can kind of relate it to being a female winemaker i've heard other wine female winemakers being like i don't want to be known as a female winemaker i just want to be a winemaker 100 percent. yeah and i've been advised like don't label yourself as a Latino winemaker like then you're always going to be that person I'm like well yeah. that's who I am like yeah, I will yeah, never yeah. not be a female winemaker or a Latino, or a Latino winemaker. winemaker yeah um, but I think people get scared of yeah like the label that label you know mm-hmm. which I think ethically I I like that people are following the trends that maybe yeah and I, I think there's a lot of vineyard sites that are farming as close to organically as they can be but they're just it's it's a matter of cost like yeah. they have to have those yeah totally there's that's the other thing too is like so much of wine is unfortunately just due to like systems and cost and like 
just endless, endless paperwork. Like they just can't have the certification that mm-hmm. says they're this or that or whatever it is. But like a lot of these guys are practicing those same principles. Mm-hmm. They're still farming organically just because they don't have the label or this whatever stamp on their paper. They're still an organic farm, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that's also just like why transparency is so important. Knowing like, I don't need the government to tell me that something's organic, but I would trust that the winemaker will be transparent or the farm will be transparent in saying like, yeah, our grapes are organic. Mm-hmm. We don't have the paperwork, but they're right. organic. Yeah. And that's Not fine. Non-certified organic. Yeah, exactly. And I'm totally cool with that. Like that's totally, which I think like more people are starting to learn that the wine industry is that way. Mm-hmm. And so like they're super down with that. They don't, yeah. I feel like it's just a given that if you're buying wines in a certain place, they're going to be organic or from a smaller producer. Uh, but I've definitely like when I first started getting into wine, I was very interested in like natural wines mm-hmm. and like biodynamic wines. And when I've kind of, I, I kind of see it as like a gateway wine style for our generation because we are super environmentally conscious and -hmm. health conscious and I think we have the right idea but I think people and companies have kind of um I think companies have what's the word like when you commodified it yeah commodified it I I think companies have like what's the word like take, taking advantage okay, of yeah, yeah. that ideal and kind of definitely just ran with it. For sure, for yeah, sure. There's a lot. Yeah, totally. There's a lot of like clean yeah. wines. <laughs> and it's like, well, what the hell are you really drinking? Because there's right. no specific like standards. Right, right. Terminology. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think like that transparency is super important. But again, like kind of goes back to the debate of like if we need – quote-unquote legal terms to describe these wines so that wines can't just be like we're clean but clean means nothing right because you're still like farming however you're farming or you're still like for me the biggest one is like ovaline which i like whatever but ovaline is a wine that markets itself as clean and as far as i know it is organic i think But the issue that I have with a wine like that is that they market themselves under the natural wine umbrella, or at least they were. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the last couple of months... They've shied away from it. Yeah, Yeah. that it's definitely like been less in the conversation, but they were definitely riding the coattails of the natural wine movement, which like you said, is like the gateway to young Mm -hmm. wine drinkers that larger corporations are taking advantage of being like, Oh, well they're into that. So let's market ourselves as that also Mm -hmm. and like slide in with them. Right. But then like in reality, they're not at all that, but so many people are just, again, going back to them, like not really being like well-versed in like what these terms might mean or what, the winemaking process actually entails. And so people are consuming thinking like, this is a natural wine, natural wine, whatever, but it's definitely not. And also like, is it that much better? It is organic, but is it that much better? Because it has a lot of other things. Also, it's not transparent, which I think is like one of the most important aspects of independent winemaking is like transparency and like being able to really like, 
know what the winemaker is up to when it comes to like vineyard and cellar and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so larger companies don't do that. Right. Don't offer that. Yeah. It's just some like white male holding a bottle with like Air Force Ones or maybe not Air Force <laughs> Ones, but like clean, <laughs> clean shoes yeah. in the vineyard. Yeah. 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 Like exactly. a vest. And you're like, you're not in the vineyard. <laughs> like your shoes aren't even dirty. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about <laughs> with the vest. Yeah, maybe not the Air Force ones. That's too cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I know what you're talking about for sure. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of things to consider when purchasing a bottle. Um, But hey, do it intuitively. But also, yeah, also like if you love a bottle of Aveline or Yellowtail or Mm. whatever, like drink it, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) do you for sure. Do you? And find things that are like that wine. Like, Figure out what you like about that wine, whether it's sweet, like whether it's a white wine, right. whether it's very fruitful. Figure that out. Go to a wine shop and be like, hey, I really like this type of wine and find more of that and then let your palate yes. expand. Yes, you know? exactly. You can totally take like the flavor profiles and the like sensations of the wine and like sidestep them to a wine that might be more... Um, environmentally friendly (laughs) ethical whatever whatever it is that like you know could be improved Mm -hmm. from the other original brand right yeah yeah it's tough though there's also so many wines on the market that like how could you even really it's hard to be informed unless you're really in the industry Mm -hmm. the way that like we are and the way that we're consuming wine information and wines and just like general knowledge about it but I feel like for the average consumer, the the person who doesn't work in wine and doesn't consume a lot of wine but enjoys drinking wine and, like, wants to just, like, find a place, a happy medium, I feel like just finding wines, wine styles and wine varietals that you like and then finding, like, a handful of producers that make wines that fit your budget in that way are like where you could just Such good hang advice. out. <laughs> yeah. I love that advice. I think that's amazing. And I think you could relate that to anything that you're interested in. Like yes. just lean into it, like dive deep. I love people that do that, whether it's wine, any type of industry, mm-hmm. just like, and you don't need to commodify it. You could just be interested in doing something. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. Exactly. Exactly. You don't have to like, not, not, not everything, not is everything on has capitalism. to be, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not everything has to be freaking business, even though I know it's hard because yeah. sometimes I get also like swayed by certain things where I'm like, oh, I could totally do this. And then it's like, I could, but also like, I don't know. Oh, you find the happy medium to survive and to also do the thing that you love yeah. and like not feel like everything has to be I don't know chasing whatever I, don't I really know. want to know like what you see your future being in wine like what what do you see for your podcast like what's your ultimate goal <sighs> that's a great question thank you for asking <laughs> that um I don't know a lot of people ask me really yeah not um by a lot of people I mean like my dad and like Matt oh and, like, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea what are you gonna me. do <laughs> yeah people have asked me but um I don't know I like I feel like for the podcast, I would love to have someone producing it for me, <laughs> putting that out there, manifesting any yeah. like three, three, three. Yeah. Three, three, three. Any like podcast producers. Um, no, but like it would, I would love for like the, sh- like if it could be like 
I don't know if this even is a thing in podcasting because I'm very new to podcasting, but like picked up by some like production company that like handles all the things and I can just like focus on great conversation. Right. That would be great because I am not a podcast producer and I'm barely, I barely know anything about audio and I'm like not technologically savvy <laughs> at all. I don't believe that with all your no, amazing I know. content. I know it sounds totally crazy, but like yeah. I like don't know how to do technology things like on my it's like the most yeah. basic version of my computer are like, you proficient in excel not really yeah me neither no <laughs> not really i know like how, now that i like the office so at my office we do a lot of things on excel and like spreadsheets yeah. and google sheets and i've learned how to like make them look nice yeah but i don't know the functions like i, I couldn't like do like all the formulas no, yeah. no 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 so no. hard i don't know i can like make a line frozen yeah and I can like I know how to like add a line or like a column right. but like that's it yeah. add a row here yeah no exactly like that's like as far as I can do but yeah I basically I don't know I just like want to like create a community of people who are really like excited by wine and like you said like young people are and I think like young people have the opportunity to be introduced to wine through natural wine. And my like largest goal for it is that like natural wine is just like the standard or like not natural wine, but just like we just go back to making wine the way we were making it hundreds of years ago. Right. And like it doesn't always have to like I do believe in like, you know, intervening when necessary. But I also like don't think we need to like industrialize everything and I think that comes with a demand from people. That demand comes from younger people because we're the next generation of like long-term consumers. And so if I can like offer that group of people the tools to learn about it and to like go explore it on their own and then reach then like the industry as a whole, natural wine is no longer like a subset of wine and mm -hmm. it's just wine mm -hmm. all together yeah. in one big happy family then like <laughs> I'll be happy um but yeah that's pretty much yeah your uh, goal yeah I just like want to like if I could survive off of talking about wine and drinking wine mm -hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be yours <laughs> I hope yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see then that would, then I'd be super happy you know like that's that's cool and also like I'd love to do events because it makes me really happy when I like go to events or do events and I meet people who are like, oh my God, I learned about this wine from you or like, oh, I'm into wine now or I'm starting to explore wine mm -hmm. and so like me and my boyfriend are like here. Like that's really fucking cool to like see people. Like one time when I, I, had, an, uh, I had an event in downtown a couple months ago and someone came from San Diego and like that was fucking cool. Like that's I was awesome. just like, dude, you, he, like he drove from San Diego and he's an OG yeah. OG Mosfino. Okay, this is our final round. This is our our lightning round. Are you ready? Sounds good. I think I think I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. Who is your dream wine guest? Someone you can share a bottle with. Oh, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Not even to like share the wine, just to like be around him. Yeah. He's on him. my he's on my list too. Yeah. 
Okay. Mary, fuck, kill, grape varietals. Tempranillo, Alberino, or Chenin Blanc? Oh my gosh. Okay. Mary Alberino, fuck Chenin Blanc, and kill Tempranillo. Really? Yes. You don't like Tempranillo? I like Tempranillo, but that's just felt right. <laughs> felt right to say. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's really good. Um, okay, perfect place to drink wine. Perfect place to drink wine. Ooh, God, that's so hard everywhere. Um, Probably my personal favorite place is outside, backyard, like just chill. Porch wine. Yeah. Porch wine, no fuss. Yeah. Perfect. Also like on a boat. Yes. <laughs> Always good. Okay, that's it. Nice. That was a lightning round. Hell yeah. Okay, <laughs> nice. That was easier. Than yeah, it was super easy. No like test questions yeah. or anything like that. No W set for no, like, no, 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 no. Awesome. Thank you for being on my podcast. It means honestly so much that Aww. you like drove here yeah. to like chat with me and hang out. I'm so I'm honestly like I'm honored because you really are a guide. Like Aww. you really helped start this journey for me yeah. and it really means so much. I'm so excited to have you. Like I, you were like someone I was like, you have to Aww, be on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah. When you, when I knew you were doing a podcast, I'm like, Oh, I hope I get to be on it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you're just like showing the world, like you can make amazing wine you are a mom you are a latina you are just like doing amazing things that make me really proud and make me really happy and really like inspire me so thank you thank you cheers cheers proud of you too thank you that's it bye bye (laughs) awesome that interview brought me so much joy and inspired me and I didn't come back to editing it until like three months later and it just like reminded me of what a great person Brittany is and I'm so glad I was able to share that with you all her story is incredible I love what she stands for and I love the way that she's sharing wine with her community her daughter I just think it's it's a really beautiful thing So be sure to follow Sochi Wines. I will link it in the bio so that you guys can follow along with her and find out when her next vintage is coming out. Thanks again for listening. And as always, if you love this podcast, be sure to subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and also share it with your friends. And you can find me at Moss Vino Please on Instagram, on TikTok, on Substack, and... Spotify and Apple Pods.